Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's biggest and top stories. First of all, the president of Ukraine is out slamming Joe Biden after his botched call. Interesting. Next, President Biden is also preparing a shortlist for Supreme Court. We've got the exclusive details. Third, Sweden has decided against recommending COVID vaccines for children aged 5 to 12. And finally, cancel culture's generational divide, a new study printed in City Journal. All of this and more head, Hewn Events Daily. Well, if you've been listening to Western media coverage about the situation in Ukraine, the situation with Russia, you're probably asking yourselves, is Ukraine still on the map? Does Ukraine still exist? Have they taken it? Have they flattened the city out of Kiev? Are the people safe? What is going on? Is the new czar rolling his tanks and troops right across the river and into the heartland, the breadbasket of Europe? Well, see, here's the funny thing about that. There's someone who's responding to all of this coverage, someone who's responding to this completely botched phone call with President Biden, and that is none other than the president of Ukraine himself, Vladimir Zelensky. Take a listen to this at a press conference earlier today. So activities, some uh, um, questions, and we are uh, grateful to the United States for their ongoing support to our sovereignty and uh, territorial integrity, but I'm the president of Ukraine. I'm based here, and I think I know the details deeper than any other president. The question is not uh, about the U.S. president, because, well, we do understand what the risks are and which of those risks are priority uh, risks, and we've discussed lots of questions. I would like to explain uh, this a little bit. It's important that, that the president should know the situation from me, not from the intermediaries. He knows the situation from me personally, and uh, we, we're talking to each other. We'll have another conversation in a couple of weeks as well. But it's important not only for our intelligence community and secret services to exchange information. People need to be here and understand all the details. I understand you are here. I don't know how long you have been here. Uh, and that's just incredible. It's astounding to me to hear this coming from a world leader, someone who interfaces, literally just yesterday, interfaced with the President of the United States. And if you read between the lines, from what Zelensky is saying there, he's essentially saying that Biden is being lied to. So he goes on to say in the press conference that the American media is creating panic. He says, are there tanks on the street? No. Are there people fleeing their homes? No. We are going about our lives. That's what we've been doing since all of this started, which by the way, was at a higher escalation in 2014, but we weren't getting the coverage. Even in 2021, there was an escalation and we didn't get coverage for some reason, Western media is giving us coverage now when they weren't before. Why is that? And he says, he kind of pulls his punch out. He's being careful, he's being a little diplomatic. He says, well, I'm not going to say that President Biden is telling the media to do this in the West or instructing the media to do this, but he catches himself because you can tell that that's what he wants to say, that it sounds to him like President Biden is driving the media coverage. But if you also listen very carefully to the words he's choosing, he says, that Biden shouldn't trust the intermediaries. Which intermediaries he's talking about? Well, in the very next segment, he goes and starts talking about the intel agencies and the national security services. So do you read between the lines here? President Zelensky is essentially saying 
that Biden is being lied to by the intelligence community. He's saying there are people around you, Mr. President, they do not have your best interests at heart. They are lying to you. They are believing their own BS when it comes to Russia, when it comes to Putin, when it comes to all this stuff. They are sending this forward and then you've got a media out there, which CNN, you know, they went and I caught Jake Taper and Natasha Bertrand deleting tweets, deleting videos after the White House put pressure on them over this very call, because they were initially reporting on this call that uh, that Biden was talking to Zelensky, it didn't go very well, that they got into a huge disagreement over this thing with Biden essentially barking at him saying, oh, the Russians are about to, uh, they're gonna sack Kiev, they're gonna occupy that entire country, they'll have you down within two weeks. And, and Zelensky saying, no, that's that's not right. That what do you, you know, what are you talking about? That's not happening. We're not seeing that happening here and then telling Biden that he needs to calm down the rhetoric, telling Biden to calm down. No wonder they're sending him out for ice cream. This White House is in complete shambles. And that's why, by the way, the Ukrainians, the Germans, and the French are sitting down right now with the Russians in Paris. They're cutting out the Alzheimer's patient in Washington, D.C., and the guy with the funny hair on that island, Boris Johnson. They're cutting them out. Because here's the dirty little secret not in the room, not in the deal. You want to come to the table. Well, continental Europe is saying, look, we've had World War I. We've had World War II. We've had the Cold War, the Napoleonic Wars. Been there, done that. We do not want to go to blows in the dead of winter over this piece of real estate. And Zelensky gets that. And he knows, or he's being diplomatic because he doesn't want to blow up the relationship with the United States. But he's telling them, I will not be wagged. I am the president of Ukraine. I am based here, not you and not your media. Go pound sand. You'll love to see it. Well, we've got some more information exclusive to Human Events Daily from our White House staffer regarding the situation between President Biden, Vice President Harris, and what exactly is going on with the Supreme Court pick. So we heard, of course, earlier this week Another strange series of events where Supreme Court Justice Breyer, it was reported that he was planning to retire. However, then we found out that he didn't want it reported that he was planning to retire yet, that he wanted to do announcement, yet that someone had rushed the story. Gee, I wonder who that could have been. You think Press Secretary Saki is sitting there like one margarita in one hand, the phone in the other. Get me Politico. Give me anything. We need to change the situation. We need to change the headlines. We need to change the talking points. We need to change the news cycle. Ukraine is completely dying on us. Nobody cares. It's all the way over in a part of the world that people can't even find. The borders have been changing for 500 years. What do we do? Get the Supreme Court justice thing fired up. And of course, the rest of the White House is completely caught off guard. So human events can report exclusively from White House staffer that they were not aware that Breyer was planning to retire because this retirement came out of left field, not even a hint. Apparently, Kamala was asked at one point, she said no. Uh, Kentaji Jackson is in the mix, as well as Candace Akawumi. Tanya Chukan, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, as well as Aramis Ayala, formerly of Florida's Ninth Judicial Circuit, but that is also four. Then you're also hearing people from the Biden side. This is Politico. They have Leonda Kruger, uh, who is of the Associate Justice on the California Supreme Court, 
and J. Michelle Childs, someone who has spent the past decade as a district court judge in South Carolina who was appointed by President Barack Obama, as well as Leslie Abrams Gardner, a federal district judge in Georgia, uh, appointed by Obama in 2014. Here's the situation, right? Here's the situation, though. This Supreme Court has already been asked to take up affirmative action. So we know that that's going to be pushed down. That's not going to be decided until next year. President Biden, when he was candidate Biden, pledged publicly. He said, I will choose a Supreme Court justice based on their race and their gender. So we already set those preconditions of identity politics for the person who was picked. So here's the problem with that. And I explained this yesterday on the show as well. That when you have someone that's chosen and you're already expressly told up front, right, the framing of this entire judicial process, of this entire nomination, and of this person's entire tenure now on the Supreme Court, on the bench, is something that our Constitution obviously does not call for anywhere. Nowhere does it say that there needs to be some kind of racial diversity quota on the Supreme Court. The best person for the job, period. That's what it should be. And we should be able to choose somebody with, of course, the advice and consent of the United States Senate who can come through and do the job of being a Supreme Court justice. And now look, I don't personally know any of these justices, right? But I do see people up there like Sonia Sotomayor, who, to put it kindly, I think, is just an example to everyone that anyone, truly anyone, can become a Supreme Court justice, even if you're completely unqualified for the job, like she is when she's going around telling people that there's hundreds and thousands of children that are hooked up to ventilators because of COVID-19. Just, just completely insane, completely insane nonsense that she believes. And then she's gonna go and take that nonsense and put it into her rulings, which affect who? All of the 325 million Americans that are under her judicial watch, under her judicial purview. Right. This is not the purpose of the Supreme Court. Now, you can argue, by the way, whether or not the Supreme Court's purpose is to declare something constitutional or not. That's actually something that, that, that they decided for themselves later on. But the purpose of the Supreme Court, disputes between states, right? This is obviously a major issue. And then they are doing judicial review. Not one of the original purposes, but it is one of the functions now. So if you're someone that goes there. And maybe one of these women is completely qualified for that. And I'm not saying that because I haven't seen, and it would be very upfront, I haven't gone, to, gone through and looked at any of the uh, specific choices that um, they made previously in their decisions. I haven't looked at the cases. I haven't looked at anything other than who appointed them, right? And who's being talked about. Because right now, all we're doing is getting together shortlist. But I will tell you this. We should be choosing someone for the Supreme Court because they understand the law because they understand the right, where rights come from, and they understand that the role of government in the United States of America is to protect those rights, period. That's it. That's the entire point of government. Government should not be out there. The Supreme Court should never be even be asking the question of medical decisions, right? Is it lawful? Is it not? Is it constitutional? Is it not? That's your job. Your job isn't to go out there and you, you hear this when they talk about Roe v. Wade, for example. Well, what about access to abortion? Hold on a second. Why is a Supreme Court judge the one who determines whether or not abortion, you know, kills a human being? Where does life begin? These are not questions 
that are, be are to be left up to justices who are unelected titans in black robes. These are questions for the American people to decide at the ballot box and through legislation. These are not questions that were ever intended for the Supreme Court, and we need to get out of the business of legislating from the highest court in the land. Well, the name just dropped, Winter Storm Keenan. I've been telling you all week that this thing is coming. Now we've got blizzard warnings issued by the National Weather Service from the extreme southern Delmarva Peninsula to coastal Jersey, Maine, Boston, Portland, Atlantic City, all up and down the East Coast, that I-95 corridor, of course, New York, Philadelphia. Also in the mix on this, Washington, D.C., like myself, is about to be hit, Norfolk, Roanoke, Raleigh, Charlotte, even all the way out to Louisville, Kentucky. Folks, go to MyPillow.com. You use promo code POSO now. Protect yourself. Be warm this winter. Go get the beddings, you get the sheets, you get the robes, you get the blankets, the slippers. Just at least get the slippers. You go to promo code POSO, and even if you go, by the way, to MyPillow.com backslash POSO, you can actually find some very special deals. We just updated the site. Uh, I talked to the folks over there at MyPillow. We've been able to update that landing page. So MyPillow.com backslash POSO, and then, of course, use promo code POSO at checkout. You will see fantastic deals. This winter is hitting hard. Make sure that you and your family are prepared for it. And speaking of families, listen to this. Sweden has decided against recommending COVID vaccines for children aged five to 11. Wow, that's interesting. I don't remember hearing anyone in the United States saying anything like that. Let's continue. And this is a story out of Reuters. The Swedish Health Agency has said that the benefits do not outweigh the risks. With the knowledge we have today, with a low risk for serious disease for kids, we don't see any clear benefit with vaccinating them, health agency official Britta Björkholm told a news conference. She added that the decision could be revisited if the research changed. Kids in high-risk groups can already get the vaccine. Uh, and then it's talking about the rest. Sweden's government on Wednesday has extended restrictions, which include limiting operating hours door, uh, for businesses and indoor venues during Omicron through February 9th. Here's the big question, though. Why is it then that in the United States, when you hear the CDC or you hear the CEO of Pfizer, they come out and they say, don't worry about it, it's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it, it's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it, it's perfectly fine. But then the Europeans, right, the people that they always point to, when they say, oh, we should follow European healthcare, Bernie Sanders and all the lefties, they say, you gotta follow European healthcare. Okay, well, here's Sweden. And Sweden says that the risks outweigh the benefits for vaccinating children. Explain that one to me. So let's put that up against and see what the CDC director here in the United States, who by the way is appointed by the White House, see what she had to say. The time for parents to celebrate. We now have vaccine that's eligible for 28 million children between the ages of 5 to 11. We saw the deliberations yesterday at the advisory committee meeting demonstrating the risk to children from COVID and, in fact, the real efficacy and safety of these vaccines working in 91 percent of, um, of children, the efficacy of 91 percent. And importantly, you know, we've taken the time to get this right, to do the science, to have a kid dosing schedule. Um, the dose is about a third of the adult dose. Um, and really, you know, it's taken us a almost a year compared to when we had a uh, vaccine for adults. So really done the, the due diligence, reviewed the science. Celebrate it. Celebrate your vaccination. Celebrate vaccinating 
your children. Don't worry about those risks. Don't listen to those sweet that Swedish health agency. Who cares? You know what's interesting to me though? Do you know? Do you ever get the sense that when people like Walensky and these other political appointees, when they talk about children, they're not actually talking about you know human beings, like actual children. I wake up every morning with my kids, right? I go, you know, usually our one-year-old gets us up first, and then I go and get up our three-year-old because he's starting to sleep in a little more. And, but what's interesting to me though is, is I'll spend time with them before I hop in the car, head into the studio. And then when I get home, that's the best time of my day is when I'm with them. We pray, we do the rosary, right? We eat some food together. That's the best time of my day. So when I hear stories like this, or when I hear stories about, you know, talking about sending our sons and daughters to go off and die in the killing fields of Eastern Europe, just so that the elites can talk about this in their parlor games. Oh, we are, our forces are fighting the czar in, in the East, right? Give you, you have these people with no meaning and no purpose in their lives. And they're using these crisis theaters like COVID-19 and Russiagate, I think there's Russiagate 3.0, to provide themselves meaning. No, find meaning in family, find meaning in God. Stay, stop trying to put our children at risk. Well, the City Journal has an interesting new study and a report on that study from the Manhattan Institute that's just come out, Eric Kaufman, out of uh, Birkbeck College, University of London, who's affiliated with the Center for the Study of Bipartisanship and Ideology. And it, what it essentially says there is a generational threat to free expression. Survey data shows that Americans under 30 prize cancel culture itself over liberty. Really? Yes, actually. Listen to this. 65% of Americans over 55 opposed Google's decision to fire James Damore for having questioned whether uh, question the firm's training on gender equity. Those under 30 support the firing by a 59 to 41 margin. Similar gaps separate young and old people on similar instances of cancel culture. Uh, whether you look at Gina Carano, who was fired by Star Wars, uh, Brendan Eich, who was fired by Mozilla for opposing gay marriage in 2008. When you look at the people who are younger, it actually says that they support cancel culture more, even if, by the way, and here's what's interesting, here's what's, what's, what's so interesting to me about this. They also say, the data shows, they're worried about being canceled because of one of their remarks or one of the things they've said or done in the past that may now be misconstrued. However, they still support cancel culture if it helps marginalized groups. And this is, this is absolutely fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Listen to this. Um, and you look at Gen Z, it's actually increasing. If you look at the millennials, it's of course increasing. So what's going on here? What is actually going on? Well, listen to former President Barack Obama. He even spoke out against cancel culture. You know, this, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids. And, you know, share certain things with you. And, and, and I think that one danger I see among young people, particularly on college campuses, Malia and I talk about this. Yara goes to school with my daughter. Um, 
but I do get a sense sometimes now among certain young people, and this is accelerated by social media, there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. So you have to understand these people believe they're on a moral crusade. By a 48 to 27 margin, respondents under 30 agreed with the following statement. My fear of losing my job or reputation due to something I said or posted online is a justified price to pay to protect historically disadvantaged groups. Those over 50, by contrast, disagree by a 51 to 17 margin. So understand this, they're terrified of cancel culture, and yet they continue to support cancel culture at the same time. The problem is, of course, that you losing your job does nothing to help any marginalized group. That's just you losing your job, right? That's you losing your reputation. So you have to understand several things here, but first and foremost, these people are insane. This is a religious belief with them. They actually believe that canceling people from their jobs, canceling people, uh, you know, movies or whatever it is, will somehow help groups that they believe are marginalized because they tell them that they're marginalized. Absolutely fascinating. And that's it. That's all the time we have here on Human Events Daily, your cliff notes of today's news, the most high impact, high action analysis and information that you can find anywhere. We are information, not indoctrination. Remember our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Before we leave today, it's time for a very special history break. Today, 1986, the anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, which exploded just seconds after takeoff. Because they had a school teacher aboard as one of the crew members, millions of school children in America were watching live while it exploded. President Reagan came out though, and he said, we are not going to continue pushing forward. We are not going to continue progressing into the future. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission, lay short. Sure.